Good morning, Full Life family. How, how are you guys doing this morning? You good? Good to see you. Glad you're in church today. Anybody glad to be in church? I'm glad to be here. You know, I, I look forward to Sunday every week. I look forward to see your beautiful faces. And it's just an honor to be able to worship with you. Amen? Can you do me another favor? Can you help me welcome those who are watching us today online? Can we give them a good hand clap? We're so glad you're joining us. Hope you're uh, just enjoying the presence of God like we have in the room. And so we're, we're glad to see you. So as you heard Kat talk about the, uh, the 21 days of prayer that we're starting today, I can't emphasize enough how important it is that the whole family here at Full Life, that you engage. And we're, we've given you so many opportunities to engage in this 21 days of prayer. Number one, we have the, the journals. That, they're in the back. We need you to grab one. There's a daily prayer focus for you to keep you, you know, maybe sometimes you wonder what I need to pray. There's a little bit of guidance in there. There's some ideas about fasting. All that is in that, that journal. Secondly, we have a service tonight. You heard Kat talk about that. Seven o'clock tonight, we will have child care provided. We're just going to seek after God. How many know it's, it's important for us to seek God? This will be a house of prayer. And so I want to invite you to come and just join together in prayer tonight at 7 p.m. And then Monday through Friday, we're going to actually have two opportunities for you. A 6 a.m. opportunity for those of you who are early risers and you have to get in and get out, get to work. And then we're having a 7 a.m. option where we're going to be partnering with Church of the Highlands. We're going to broadcast their early morning prayer service every, every morning, Monday through Friday, for the next 21 days at 7 a.m. So you have two opportunities in the morning. And then we have two more corporate services that are coming up uh, week two and three. Which you'll learn more about. And then I'm going live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on Facebook to, to engage in prayer. So you have a bunch of opportunities, amen? So let me challenge you, like never before, let's lean in. Because how many of you know prayer makes a difference? Prayer works. As, as, the, as the book says, prayer uh, is not our, our last resort, it's our first response. Amen? So we're starting a new series today. Are you excited about our new series called Raise a Hallelujah? We're going to be talking about the idea of worship, praise and worship. And I feel like I have a, just a wonderful uh, series for you, and I'm excited about sharing it with you. Anybody else excited about hearing about worship today? How many of you want to learn how to be a better worshiper, a more passionate worshiper? So I, if you come with that desire, I think I'm going to help you today. So here's, here's where I'll start. So back in January, I was headed to our staff retreat uh, up in Amicalola Falls, and I felt a strong impression from the Lord that... that to call this year a year of strong faith. We actually hashtagged it, strong faith. And here's what, what we said. You know, according to Acts 16.5, I noticed that the, the, in the book of Acts, the church was what? Strong in faith, right? So they, the churches were strengthened in faith, and they grew daily in numbers. Now, obviously, our emphasis is on strong faith because... We believe that's what God wants. Now, have you know in this season we're in, we've been in some tough times. COVID, political unrest, racial unrest. I mean, there's so much going on, war everywhere. It it's really, can really kind of chip away at our faith, right? But how many of you know God wants you to have a strong faith? That you can make it through the tough times. That you can persevere when things aren't going well. And so the idea behind this is that, is that we can have a strong faith. And again, we started in January talking about we did 21 days of prayer in January. We did our Pray First series because that's one of the first values we talked about was the idea of prayer. We started out the year with prayer. And then I felt really led to say, you know what, as we're coming out of summer... 
and things are getting more back in routine, and we just need a little good shot in the arm in August. And so let's talk about the second core value that I believe will lead to strong faith. And what is it? Worship. Your worship can lead to a strong faith. And so that's the second core value that we embrace in the three that we said can help you with a strong faith. So this whole month is all about cultivating passionate worship. Everybody say passionate worship. So what do you think of when you think of the word passion? All in. I, love, I heard that. What else? Intense. Nothing held back. And that's really what we're, we're after is this, this idea. We're holding nothing back. And so today, as we're talking about worship, it's the idea of, of passionate worship. Now, I understand that in a, a group this size that maybe your, your background may be a little different than, than, than others, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, but this is really why we're doing this. We want to, we want to give you the why of worship. Why do we worship? And then we're going to talk about the what, some of the practical things and the how of worship, the dy- every dynamic that's involved, we want to try to cover in the next three weeks. And so I want you to be here every week, and let's, let's lean into this idea of, of passionate worship. But here's the other thing else, something else to consider. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit, we just talked about two weeks about the Holy Spirit and His role in our lives. How many of you would say, Pastor, I want the Holy Spirit to inspire in me, ignite in me passionate worship. Is that your prayer this morning? It's definitely mine. I want Him to stir it up so that I'm all in in worship. Amen. So that's our prayer today. We're going to dive into the Word of God. How many of you know the Word of God is so important in understanding what worship's all about? And so it's important that you and I Take our lead from the scriptures, from what God's word has to say along the lines of worship. And as I said a few minutes ago, some of you came from different backgrounds. Some of you came from the more liturgical, more traditional background where it was, you know, you had a a piece of paper and you knew exactly, you know, nothing wrong with that. I came from basically the, 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 the swing pendulum this way where it was, let's let the spirit lead. Anybody ever been a part of that service? Nothing wrong with either one of them, right? But here's the reality. If we're not careful, we get locked into our style, how we do it, and we can miss out on the heart of God, what he has to say about it. Amen? How many of you want to know what God has to say about it? And so I think there's, a, there's, a, there's room for the, the, the order. There's room for the free. There's room for everything in terms of a corporate worship experience. But how many of you know that worship's way more broader than just what we do on Sunday? And so I want to. I want to just want to kind of whet your appetite about what does this look like for me to be a passionate worshiper? And so, if we can't, if we if we don't get stuck in forms, if we don't get stuck in monotony, I think we can engage God every day and live in this idea of passionate worship. And of course, you know that I'm going to connect it to John 10, 10, amen? To the full, now here's one way we say it, living life over, y'all help me here? We're going to live life overflowing. In other words, we're not just half full, we're so full that it just comes on out. And so that's what we, we believe. And here's how it looks as far as worship goes. It's an overflow. Why? Because God has done so much for me. It's an overflow of thanksgiving and gratitude. 
I can't say it enough how great our God is, how thankful I am for what he's done. Can I get an amen this morning? It's an overflow of love. Remember, the Bible says in Romans 5 that he sheds the love of God abroad in our heart. I would like to say it this way. Lord, fill me so much up with your love that it just flows out of me. It's an overflow. And then it's an overflow of awe and wonder. Have you ever stopped and thought about how awesome this God is you serve? The creator of the universe, the one who just words. Think about that for a second. Just his words, he formed everything that you see. Does, anybody, does that blow anybody else's mind? And so it's an overflow of, wow. Tony, when I think about this awesome God, this awesome creator, it's an overflow. Worship is an overflow of thanksgiving, of gratitude. It's an overflow of love, and it's an overflow of awe and wonder. Does that make sense to everybody? And so when we think about this idea of passionate worship, it's that overflow. But I want to take it even further to say it's, it's a reflection of your relationship with him. All right? Your worship is a reflection of your relationship with God. And let me show you how, what the connection is here. First of all, I'll say it this way. Whatever has your heart has your worship. Or I can say it this way. Whoever has your heart has your worship. And so things like money, fame, and jobs, even your relationships with your friends and spouses, if they have your heart, guess what? You know what the Bible calls that? Idolatry. Anything that captures your heart and takes it away from your relationship with God is idolatry. And so here's the idea. If I love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, what's going to happen? It's going to be played out in my worship. Let me show you. John, I mean, Matthew chapter 22. Because your, your worship is a reflection of your relationship with God. What did Jesus say? He had an encounter with the religious leaders. Here's what they asked him. They're trying to trick him. One of, them, one of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Verse 27. Jesus replied. Here's, here's what he does. What does he say? You must love the Lord your God with some of your heart, some of your mind, and some of your strength. Did I read that right? Well, he says all, all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Notice the connection. Love the Lord your God with every part of who you are, your whole being in love with Jesus. Do I have anybody in this room that's fully in love with Jesus, all in, in your relationship with him? Listen, okay, you said it, but now it's going to be reflected in your worship. Y'all with me? If you're with me, say amen. If you're asleep, say oh me. Oh me. So Jesus is clearing it up for us. Your relationship with Jesus 
is going to be how you worship or even the depth of it. So it's a reflection. So you can look at somebody and say, I can tell how much that person loves Jesus by just watching them worship. Amen. Or watching their lifestyle. Amen. So worship is all about a relationship with God. And you notice that the great commandment has two facets to it. It's relationship with God, but it's also relationship with other people. And both are really important. It's really the central focus of your life. That's why you drilled everything down to those two relationships. But there's a difference between your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. Why is it different? It's because of who you're in relationship with. So because you're in relationship with God, you're talking about, again, the God of the universe. You're talking about the, the creator God. And so my relationship with him is going to look different than my relationship with you, Tony. Because of the nature of who I'm worshiping or in relationship with it. And so if my worship is preoccupied with the character of God, with the actions of God, then I can appreciate more and more who he is and what he does. Amen? How many of you are preoccupied with who he is? How many of you are preoccupied with what he does? Everything we do in terms of worship is centered around understanding who he is and what he does. And the better you appreciate that is, the more passionate your worship will be. Amen? So maybe you say, okay, I really, it's starting to make a little more sense. I know it's connected to my relationship. Jesus made it clear, all my heart, all my soul, you know, all in in the relationship. Does that make sense? And then we ask the self, well, what is, it, what is it really he's looking for in terms of what worship is? Well, I think he gives us more clear picture in John 4. You guys remember the story of the good Samaritan, I mean, not the good Samaritan, but the Samaritan woman at the well? Are you familiar with that? So Jesus has this encounter with a woman at this well. And it's interesting because he didn't really have to go that way. He was, he was traveling, and he intentionally went through Samaria. He had a divine appointment in mind for her. He meets her at a well at noon, which women in that day normally wouldn't go during that time. She was, listen, she was overcome with shame and guilt for her, her lifestyle. And Jesus knew she'd be there. So he has an encounter with her, and they have a conversation. He tells her, her he basically just reads her mail, tells her all about her life. And you can go read that. It's, it, you know, it's pretty interesting that he tells her all that, and then she goes and tells the whole village, hey, this guy just told me everything about myself. Come see. But there's an interesting, interesting part of their conversation where she kind of starts to kind of deflect a little bit. And asked him a question about worship. So watch this, starting at verse 19. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Verse 20. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped? Verse 21. Jesus replied. Now watch this. Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter where you worship, right? Basically, where you worship, but it's whether you worship on the mountain or in Jerusalem. So verse 22. You Samaritans know very little about one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes to the views. Verse 23, watch this. 
But the time is coming indeed is here now. What? When the true worshipers will do what? Say it loud. Spirit and in truth. The Father is, what's he doing? He's looking for. How much clearer can you get than that? He's looking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. This is the model. This is what he's asking for. He's clear on what he's expecting from us. And here he repeats it here, verse 24. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so there's some clarity there. But then your next, your next question may be, Pastor, what does it mean for me to worship in spirit and in truth? Well, think about this. If you're worshiping in spirit, go back to, go back to the great commandment with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. In other words, your worship, when you're worshiping in spirit, you're engaging all of yourself. Amen? And here's, here's, here's really the, the essence of this. If there's no real passion for God, then it's impossible for you to worship in spirit. Because you don't have this desire, right? Remember what you worship, it's a reflection of your relationship. And so at the same time, he said worship in truth. And so your worship must be properly informed by the, the Bible. In other words, your worship must be biblical. Everybody say that. My worship must be biblical. And so it's the combination of the, the passion, the heart, all in, in my worship. That's worship in spirit. And then the knowledge of who God is and what he's done. Are y'all with me so far? So if I just have the, the passion part, the, I'm all my soul, all my heart, that can almost lead to emotionalism or being on an emotional high. So I'll give you an example. So we were, last weekend, we went with the students to, to the motion conference. 13,000 kids. Can you imagine with me? And some of you were in the room. We were there. 13,000 kids lifting their hands and singing the top of their lungs. So I throw up my hands. Can you imagine 13,000 kids singing that? And praise you again and again. I'm telling you, what is it? Goosebumps. Amen. Now, was that worship in spirit? Yes, not a trick question. It was it? Absolutely. But if that's all those kids have, if it's not informed by the Bible, they'll come home because it's a spiritual high. Trust me, I was there. Monday rolls around and they're in school and the kids are making fun of whatever. What happened to that, that fervor? It's still there, but if it's not informed by the knowledge of who God is, it's just emotional high. Are y'all following me this morning? We need it though. We need to worship that way. Hands lifted up, voices raised. But the other part of this is they need to know who God is that in those moments where it doesn't feel that way, that he's still a God that's faithful, that he's still a God who hung the moon and stars who can take care of them, then they're informed in their worship. And so if there's a low, it doesn't kill them. It doesn't knock them off. Are y'all with me? So what is it? It's not just spirit and it's not just truth. Because here, if all I've got is truth... Boring. Right? Then it becomes into this religious, almost a, just a legalism. 
We need both. That's why Jesus said it. He said, worship in spirit and in truth. Does that make sense? So, all in, all in the relationship. My, my relationship is, my worship's a reflection of my relationship. And then he's asking me to worship in spirit and in truth, which leads me to passionate worship. See, the more you appreciate God, the more you know about God, the deeper your worship. The deeper your worship, the more God's glorified. Amen. Skip Heidsick, pastor out in Albuquerque, says this. Failure to worship God authentically can always be traced back to an inadequate knowledge of God. So you see how both are necessary. You can be way off base in your worship if it doesn't line up with the Bible. Amen. And in a few weeks, we're going to talk about the what, the how of worship. You're going to, you don't want to miss any of those, okay? All right, so here's the other thing. For you to gain a knowledge of who God is, where do you turn? We've already said it. Where do you turn? The Word of God. That's why the Bible needs to be a priority in your life because it's where you're informed about what this worship looks like. And so what I would like to do is I want to show you just a few out of the Scriptures, right out of the Bible, the character of God, who He is, so you can appreciate Him even more. Are y'all with me? All right, first one here. We worship the God who is eternal. Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is your refuge. Anybody glad He's your refuge this morning? And underneath are the everlasting arms. He will drive out your enemies before you. Aren't you glad he fights your battles for you? But what we need to focus in on is that he is eternal. In other words, he doesn't have an, a beginning. Go think about that for a minute. And he doesn't have an end. Mind blown. Our God has always been and will always be. Jesus said it this way, I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. You serve a God, you worship a God who's eternal. Number two, you worship a God who's the master artist. Psalm 139, 14. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Read this with me. Your workmanship is how I well know it. Or as Billy Crystal would say, marvelous. Some of you that are too young probably don't know who Billy Crystal is. So. But think about this for a second. The idea that God formed you in the mother's womb. Just think about the human eye for a second. The ability of the human eye, two of them, to make one image it blows my mind how intricately the eye was formed. That's just one piece of you. And when you look at all of that, what you're capable of, intellect and reason, and you look at yourself and you look in the mirror and you partner with Paul and saying, you're a masterpiece. Now, if I was to create for you a sculpture You wouldn't call it a masterpiece. 
you probably call it more like something a third grader would do. Because I'm not a master artist. But God is a master artist. Can I get any man this morning? Turn to your neighbor and say, I look at you and I see a masterpiece and I worship a master artist. Come on, somebody. Is he the master artist this morning? Here's another one. We worship a God who is holy. Now, this may be one of the most misunderstood characteristics of who God is, but we have to understand that he is holy, that he is totally different than you and I are. He's sinless. He's totally, the Bible says he's totally other. He's different than you and I. But the cool thing is, he, gives, he brings us into holiness because of what Jesus did at the cross. So he says, it's a command, be ye holy for I am holy. Well, how is that possible? I'm, not, I'm sinful. How? The righteousness of Jesus. You serve a God who's holy. Amen. You worship a God who is an excellent father. We used to sing that song. He's a good, good father. Right? How many of you know that he is? The scripture bears witness that he's a good father. Let's read it together. Where's that at? I've lost my place, y'all. I think I skipped one. I got them all messed up back there. Matthew 7, 11. I'm sorry, guys. Matthew 7, 11. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would your Father in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? How many know he's a good father? Provider, protector. So many ways. He's a good father. I'll jump back, guys. I'm sorry. Can y'all give those guys in the, in the hand, a back in the hand, a hand? Give them a hand. They're working hard. And I'm making, it, I'm making it harder on them. So they're Johnny on the spot. Let's look at this. We worship a God who's faithful. You know, we sing that song all the time. All my life you have been faithful. Has he been faithful to you? Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. He wants to reveal himself in all these ways to you. And then your response is, we worship, right? Here's another one. We worship a God who's a wonderful Savior. Now, I I want you to lean in. These are all great, but these last few, I want you to lean in because all of this speaks to the gospel, where Jesus, why, why Jesus chose to come. Now watch this. 1 John 4, 14. We have seen and testified the Father has sent his Son to what? To be the Savior of the world. His love for you, his desire to have relationship with you was what motivated him to send Jesus Christ to die on the cross and walk out of the tomb. Is he a wonderful Savior today? Save me from what? Well, we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. We were hopeless, amen? But God, everybody say, but God. He's a wonderful Savior. We worship a God who's generous. Ephesians chapter 1 
In him we have redemption through his blood. Aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus? We just celebrated it. The forgiveness in sin. And watch this. In accordance with, you notice what I highlighted? What did I highlight there? Everybody say riches. Riches of God's grace. And then verse 8 says this. That he, everybody say lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Those two words, riches and lavished, when I think of those two, I do not think of halfway or, or just some, right? What do you think of when you see the word lavish? Abundantly, right? More than enough. That's exactly the God you serve. He's a generous God in that he gave you grace and mercy without measure. Love without measure. Because he is, everybody say it, he is generous. We serve a God who is merciful. Now, I want to stop here just for a second. Isn't it, isn't it mind-blowing, folks? That the God of the universe, the holy God we just talked about, would want a relationship with rebellious sinners like you and me. Is that challenge anybody else? But all it does, folks, is speak more to the character of God. To the last two that I want to bring to you. Number, here's the, the next one. We worship a God who is merciful. Ephesians 2. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of his great love for us, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. Watch this. Verse 5. Made us alive. Everybody say alive. Everybody say fully alive. There you go. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And so here's the idea. The idea of mercy is this. I didn't deserve salvation. I don't deserve eternal life. And neither do you. It's the problem of sin. But God. Everybody say, but God. He's merciful, said, I'm not going to hold that against you. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. That's mercy. Aren't you glad for mercy today? I didn't get what I deserved. He's a merciful God. We worship a God who's merciful. And then the next one is we worship a God who's gracious. Everybody say gracious. The Lord is gracious and merciful. Psalm 145. Slow to anger. And rich in love. Are you glad for that this morning? Now, maybe you're asking, what's the difference between mercy and grace? Well, we've already said mercy is not getting what we deserved. Well, grace is getting what I didn't deserve. What did I not? I, I didn't deserve eternal life, folks. I didn't deserve the unmerited favor of God. How many of you know when you're in Christ, God's favor is on your life? Are you glad for grace today? We sing it all the time, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That's the that is what it is. It's absolutely amazing because I, I got what I didn't deserve. Are you glad? So nine, nine characteristics. Can y'all put them all back up there again? Just, just real quick, those nine characteristics. We worship a God who's all those. Are you glad? Now, how do we, how do we know that? How do we know he's merciful and gracious? We just read it. 
But not just that. You guys can testify. Not only, not only do I know it because I read it, I've experienced it, folks. There's a big difference. I know it, and I know it. Come on, somebody. I know he's merciful because he's been merciful to me. I know he's gracious because he's been gracious to me. I know he's loving because he's been loving to me. I know he's holy because he's shown himself holy. I know he's faithful, Tony. Because in my darkest times, he's remained faithful. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen today? So it's not just knowing it, it's knowing it. There's a big difference. So when we're worshiping, we're understanding it's a reflection of our relationship, right? It's clearly stated you're supposed to worship in spirit and in truth. Remember, it's, it's a passionate all in my heart. It's well informed by what God's word says. But then that added layer is my own experience of God. That helps, doesn't it? To say, here's how passionate worship is stirred up in my heart. So, recalling the reality of who God is and responding to that is what worship is all about. Can I say that again? Recalling these realities, who God is, what He's done, and responding to that is what worship is all about. And as I said a few minutes ago, it's centered around the gospel. It's centered around the idea that Jesus came, lived a sinless life, died a cruel death on the cross, and walked out of the tomb. Because if you think about it, if you notice, from Genesis to Revelation, all of the Bible is a narrative of redemption. It starts with God creating Adam and Eve. They're in relationship, so guess what? They're worshiping right there, right? They're talking with God. The Bible says they describe it in the cool of the day. Something happens. In Genesis 3, they're deceived and they sin against God. The relationship has been messed up. And from that time on, God is laying out his plan of redemption. And the Bible recognizes it. You'll notice it at just the right time, Jesus came. Amen. And so your worship is gospel-centered because you understand from Genesis to Revelation, it's all about relationship. It's all about redemption. It's all about the cross. Amen. But looking forward and, and then looking backward. Are you with me? And then this is what happens when I begin to ponder, when I begin to think about what Jesus did. That he died and paid the penalty for my sin and yours. That redemption is possible then it's, it's possible for me to have a thriving, flourishing, overflowing relationship with this God that I serve. And in celebrating that, what do we have? Come on. Worship. Does anybody want to celebrate what God's done for you? Can we stop and take a minute to celebrate what God's done? Come on. He's good. He's good. He's good. So worship in truth connects the heart of and the spirit of worship with the truth about God 
and his work of redemption as revealed in the person of Jesus Christ and the scriptures. So you see how it's formed. It's formed in your knowledge of God, the knowledge of the scriptures, and your relationship with him through the, through the shed blood of Christ. So here's what I want to do. I want to take just a second. I want you to, we're going to just, just for a second, I want you to just close your eyes. If you're in Christ, and I want you to think about where you were before Christ, what your life looked like. And then I want you to think about how your life has been since you met him. And what's going to happen? So I throw up my hands. There's going to be some gratitude, isn't there? Anybody thankful for what Jesus has done for you today? That's what worship's all about. Remember, it's an overflow of thanksgiving. It's an overflow of gratitude. It's an overflow of love. It's an overflow of awe and wonder of who God is. Now, what's the response today? And here's what I want to do. I'm going to read these responses, but when, we, when I get through with them, I want us to, everybody that's thankful and gracious for what God, I want us to take a few minutes as a group, as a unified corporate body to come and, and let's just spend a few, time, a few minutes thanking God for what he's done. Does anybody want to do that today? Are you grateful? So here's your response today. What's my response? Number one, make the connection that if I want to have a strong faith, worship will be a major factor in that. Okay? Make sense? Number two, understand that the depth of my relationship with God will determine the depth of my worship. All right? Number three, understand that Jesus made it clear that the kind of worship he wants is worship in spirit and in truth. And then lastly, my knowledge of God through learning scripture, what, what's it going to do? When I understand the, the character of God, what's it going to do? It's going to fan into flame and ignite my worship. Thank you for joining us for this week's service. We pray that God has used this moment to greatly impact your life. We invite you to live fully alive in Christ with us here at Full Life Church. We'll see you next week.